Welcome to Metaverse Cast episode 30. This episode I'm actually particularly proud of because I think it holds a ton of value. I'm talking with Tanya Bivik Planka from the Blockchain Alliance Europe, and the whole conversation turned out not only to be a bird's eye view of the development in the blockchain crypto space over the past few years but also you know looking at trends and what we can see about history repeating itself and what are the psychological factors when stuff is happening and and why people are reacting as they do and actually what you should consider when you're moving into new things in the tech industry. So this is an episode not only about Blockchain Alliance Europe, but also about entrepreneurship in the tech scene. And Tanya is very good at communicating, so I highly recommend that you listen to this episode. Hello, Tanya. Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk to me. Hello, um, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this talk. I think we'll address some interesting topics. Most definitely. We met each other briefly at the uh, Tomorrow Conference. Uh, what did you think about the, the conference? Um, I think it was actually um, re- really amazing because uh, it is one of the biggest conferences about NFT in the Adriatic region lately. Okay, there is, you know, like the corona happened and everything, but uh, uh, now um, I think it was amazing and it was very good to see a lot of young people that are interested in the topic. And I think that uh, blockchain has a bright future ahead. Awesome. You are president of the Blockchain Alliance Europe. You know, can you tell me, you know, the story about, you know, when you got into blockchain? I read that you got into blockchain around 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's, what's the whole story behind, behind that? Uh, well, uh, for me, um, blockchain is a bit of a family business because my husband is also a founder of one uh, blockchain research and development uh, uh, company, uh, but when I became aware about the cryptos was in 2016, when the uh, DAO Ethereum hack happened, uh, because it completely ruined our family vacations. You know, I heard about Bitcoin now and then and Ethereum in talks, but I didn't pay much attention then really. Um, but what happened then? It was it it was really. Uh, shocking for the whole crypto community with that uh, DAO hack and it really influenced uh, us as a family and then I said to my husband uh, please can we sit down explain to me what is happening what is this thing that is happening to us and why is it so crucial and after that talk about the blockchains and how blocks are um, confirmed and consensus mechanisms and everything I was like, okay, we are on the verge of a revolution and I have to be a part of it somehow. I didn't know right there um, 
how I will be a part of it. Uh, so uh, that I was at the time working at the national television. I was an editor. I was also doing some stuff with uh, digitalization and social media and so on. So and I needed a career change um, and. Uh, uh, I was invited to another uh, project that was doing an I ICO at that time. And I said, yes, okay, I'm joining the revolution. Sure, I'm on board. And uh, that was how I got involved. Otherwise, I'm from the uh, marketing communication side, but uh, learning for the, this uh, <laughs> past few years about blockchain, uh, crypto assets, and everything that is around. Interesting. So, so what was the first project that you worked on? What type of, of project was that? Uh, that, is a, that was Vibrate. Um, they're actually um, uh, they're doing data uh, analysis for musicians. Um, and uh, they're doing this for the professionals so they can uh, easily, um, for them, it is easier to decide who is hot and who is not. Of course, they evolved from that. That was the base. Now they are doing also uh, a lot of uh, interesting apps for festivals uh, and so on. So, yeah, that was a, a very uh, exciting project at that time. Ah, cool. So, so uh, what happened with the, from there and then into uh, you know blockchain alliance Europe? Mm -hmm. uh, well, here in Adriatic region, um, that is sort of former Yugoslavia, maybe explain a little bit. This is Slovenia, Croatia. Uh, we are near Italy, Austria, Hungary, uh, and so on. We had uh, some very successful ICOs. I know that ICOs, you know, they have some sort of um, um, not very uh, good reputation, but I must say here, um, a lot, there were there are a lot of uh, projects that were successful and are still working and are around today. So um, I must say that some of those projects uh, decided that we ha have to have some sort of an alliance, a sort of initiative, so um, our voice could be also heard. And um, the idea was at that time that we could maybe um, form some sort of regulative framework so for the crypto assets and could be um, very progressive in this region. So this is why the Blockchain Alliance happened. And also those projects were uh, looking for um, some business assistance. They wanted to help each other business-wise. And um, this, is, this is how the Alliance was born. And yes, it, then we had a, um, also one of uh, the big conferences here in this region in 2018, when Joseph Lubin from Ethereum was also here and the whole the government of Slovenia was there and everything was very bright in the uh, blockchain crypto uh, future and so on. So yeah, th this was the start. Okay. Uh, I was just, you know, because I've heard that, you know, people, when they mention ICOs, they, they kind of like, you know, just as you, there's like, yeah, I know ICOs doesn't have the best reputation. And I'm thinking, you know, for me, myself, uh, I'm a little bit, you know, I haven't been following why, you know, the reputation. Maybe we should touch on that a little bit. You know, first of all, you know, so that people can follow what is an ICO. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
Okay, let's let's start with with the basic. What is an ICO? Um, the idea is to, to have a project that has uh, some sort of token economics, and that will publish a utility token that will help you get some service um, easier or uh, at a discounted price, or you will be rewarded with this token. When you have such some, such um, token economics, you can have uh, first public offering of those utility tokens to the public and use that money to found your project. That was the main idea. What happened, and this was of course on the Ethereum platform and- uh, And ICO uh, is uh, initial coin offer if I'm yes, not- Yes, initial yeah. coin offering, uh, and but it's not really a coin because it is not a, um, it is a crypto asset and it is a token that has some utility. Uh, you are rewarded with this, like if you go to the store and you get some rewarding points here, it would be the rewarding tokens uh, or can use them for the discount and so on. So yeah, this is the, an ICO. And in 2017, um, the ICO hype started and ended in 2018, the second um, quarterly, then it, the, the, uh, the bubble burst. What I believe happened was, um, I was just talking to someone yesterday and I said, you can regulate everything, but you cannot regulate the greed of people. Um, that uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, and FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt. And uh, I think a lot of people, when they heard about the ICOs, did not do the due diligence. And I must say, at every project that I worked on, we were always saying, please do your due diligence. Please read the white paper, read the one pager, if nothing else. Uh, understand what is happening with this token and what are you actually buying? Because a lot of people were certain they were buying um, securities, but no, you have no rights with the utilities token. You don't have, you just can use it for the service that was there. And um, I think a lot of people had a lot of big expectations that they will make a hundred, two hundred X on a certain token. And they were also spending a lot uh, more money that they could actually afford. Because first, ICOs are startups. And a study that was conducted in the Silicon Valley says that 95 to 98% of startups will fail from different reasons, not just because they're doing an ICO, but you know, bad management, you don't have the right team, you're not at the right time at the right place. Uh, you don't have a market, you're too early, you're too late. <laughs> there is a lot, of, um, a, a lot of things that can happen to startup to fail. And uh, so these are very, very risky investments if you want to make money out of it, not just to buy to use a certain, uh, certain service. And again, there was a fear of missing out. I have to be on this project uh, and, and people had too high expectations that were that did not uh, really happen and uh, not knowing this what i just presented then you say icos are bad no you have to know something about the startup world you have to know something about how about 
how business models are made, you know, what is your value preposition, you have to, you have to be some sort of uh, micro VC or angel investor with all that knowledge to invest properly. You cannot just invest in a certain project because your um, hairdresser said so, or I don't know who, your neighbor. Um, but that happened at the, 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 uh, in the times of hype. That, that really happened because people were just shoving money in something they didn't understand. And uh, yeah, actually that happened. Uh, um, the bubble burst in 2018, the great purge happened and uh, those projects that are still alive and around are those five to 2%. Yeah, yeah, I was in, you know, I've been involved with building stuff online since the nineties. So I was also there for the dot-com bubble to burst. Mm. And, and we've seen that like pattern Again and again and again. And it yeah. is exactly as you mentioned, you know, FOMO, you know, we didn't have the term FOMO back then, but it is, you know, anything with .com in it, you know, people just throw money at it because of a few uh, success stories. Uh, it was a little bit similar as how I, you know, got into NFTs because I have a creative background as well. I've worked with a lot of artists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I heard about Beetle, you know, that story. And I hear a lot of artists, they got into the are curious about NFTs and things like that after the Beeble story. But I did my due diligence. You know, I know <laughs> I've also, you know, I have 13 uh, businesses behind me and things like that. So I kind of know. And I saw, ah, okay, this is what's going on. And this is not something I'm aping into, you know, another term that we're using uh, today. Um, and, and I saw, okay, this, this is cool, digital art, uh, but that, it is not like a gold rush. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you still have to have a name, you still have to create an audience uh, and, and things like that. But people, any, anybody who could like open paint and, and create three dots were just throwing <laughs> NFTs out there, which was also kind of like giving, just as you have this, you know, we feel like we have to create an excuse for ICOs you also have to create kind of an excuse for NFTs because of all that stuff. Yeah, uh, because what you have, uh, when you have that hyped environment, uh, it and it's not regulated, of course, because it, this is the beginning of some sort of technology, um, you have a very open door for some sort of, for all sorts of scams. And uh, yeah, and this is what happens. Yes, everybody that has the time to, to put three dots together, they are calling it an NFT. And uh, yeah, there, there is an opportunity for those, uh, for those people that want to commit fraud or a scam. Um, and this is what is now happening with NFTs. It, it is very, very similar cycle. At the beginning, there's something happened, some successful stories like selling that uh, art to Visa and so on. And we have a flood of projects. Everybody wants to do something and we have a lot of scams. Uh, and uh, now the bubble will burst and is bursting slowly, but yeah. surely. And uh, the great purge will happen again and we'll see what will remain and uh, what will uh, be at um, what uh, history will condemn. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we will see what gets left behind, right? And yeah. everybody right now is talking about, uh, 
utility and, and things like that. I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, we, we probably agree on many things in, in that regard. But uh, but let's talk a little bit about because what's the connection between that situation and the blockchain uh, alliance? You know, what mm-hmm. what can that the alliance kind of help with in that environment? You mean in that environment that that was or you right know, now these situations, you know, is okay, that something yeah. that we can benefit from? Mm-hmm. You know, we have these bubbles, you know, right now, it seems like there's too much stuff going on to mm. follow. So this whole thing about do your own research can be pretty yeah. hard, you know, even yeah, if you're is. in the know. Uh, what we do, because we are an initiative that connects companies. We don't connect individuals. We connect companies that are interested in blockchain uh, technology or our R&D comp- companies or are using some sort of um, pieces of technology and so on. What we do, I think it's very, very important to pinpoint the professionals, but the true professionals, you know, not influencers. It is good to have both, but we need the professionals. Those are um, those that are very uh, objective about the subject and that can um, evaluate things properly. That's what we did at that time. The other thing is we encourage our members to become uh, part of the standardization groups. Um, we have for blockchain technology, a part of the standardization group on the level of EPSI, European Blockchain Infrastructure and their use cases. Um, and then uh, each country has its own initiative that is involved with standardization and so on. And, and to, at the beginnings, like NFTs, to think what could happen in terms of standardization, because when we have some sort of framework, <laughs> uh, then it is easier to know what is, um, let's say, what is valid and what is not. And those are the two things that, but, that we do. And the third thing is, of course, education. That's why we are always keen on top, talking about those topics to anybody that would listen, because what we see is, yes, um, this uh, blockchain, NFT, crypto assets community knows a lot of things, but we're still penetrating the main market. And there are still a lot of, um, let's say, false information Then Bitcoin is still equals to blockchain. And there are some prejudices that we have to overcome. And what we have to do is we have to influence also the regulators, but in terms of understanding the technology, not influencing them like lobbying, but just to explain the technology, what it really does, how it can be beneficial for people, because let's face it, blockchain technology can be beneficial for people on many, many levels. And this is something that we need to communicate. And this is something that also Alliance focuses on. And uh, let's say uh, we have a a road uh, ahead, (laughs) but slowly, surely with the whole community, we'll get there. Yeah, cool. Uh, You mentioned uh, prejudice. What is is some of the classic, like, most often the prejudices, if that's a word. Yeah, the, the most classic one is that with Bitcoin, you cannot be traced if you commit some sort of crime, if you pay with Bitcoin. Okay. Well, for sure, that is not true. Yes, when you are uh, KYC in the system, everything can be traced to you. 
So if you want to trace something, use blockchain technology. It's quite the opposite. If you don't want to trace something, then use cash in the suitcase. Yeah. And uh, this and, is uh, something just that. Side note: KYC means know your customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, this is one of the classics. And that blockchain is Bitcoin, and that blockchain cannot be used for anything else. Although it is implemented on many systems uh, right now, and uh, there are uh, use cases, pilot projects that are very successful. Um, in tracing, I don't know, uh, food um, supplies, so on, all the supply chains, then, uh, then so identity. And so let on. me just understand, you know, mm -hmm. people, and, and, you know, I come from a standpoint that, you know, whatever people think is okay, because that's the current information they have, but it's yeah. always nice to, okay, unfold it so that we can, you know, uh, you know, fit stuff in the right boxes. So just, did I, you know, people are confusing blockchain and bitcoin thinking they're the same thing is that it mm -hmm. yeah okay True. interesting True. and that this is just the the only use case of blockchain technology um and it happens with people that are really in it sometimes um, that's why we are here. We have to explain and we have to elaborate. And um, this is how I see the role of uh, most of the initiatives in the crypto blockchain space also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, you know, but I can imagine, you know, if you don't, uh, because very often, as you say, people in this space, you know, we know because yeah. we consume information all the time yeah. because things are very fast but if you're on the outside of that i can i can totally relate to it being cryptic uh, to use like a, a yeah. popular term uh so is there anything else like other prejudice that you come across um yeah okay the the, the most common one with the icos if you did an ico you're certainly a scam okay yeah. as we elaborated before uh, it is not true because if you have uh, some sort of token economics, then and you're alive and well, uh, this is not a scam. Um, yeah, that that would be the, the main one. Also, if you're involved with uh, blockchain crypto, then surely you have something to hide. You know, this is not a uh, a technology that would be, um, let's say, uh, I don't I don't find the right term, but that it is some sort of connected with crime and scam. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I I have felt that as well, you know, from people mm -hmm. outside, like what's that dodgy thing, and uh, you know that that's usually how humans react to stuff they don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and things being a scam is just something that comes up uh, a lot, you know, and and in the NFT space, you know, both, you know, I have a few like gaming NFTs, you know, that's been kind of like my my focus. Uh, and some other utility NFTs, um, and people are talking very much about Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes and all that mm. kind of stuff. Is, is that something you uh, encounter? Yeah, also, also, uh, but it is something that is also happening because of the influence of the media. If a person that was somehow connected with crypto assets or blockchain commits a scam that is not actually not connected with that he will be addressed as crypto scammer. Why? Because if you today you write crypto in your uh, title, it will be clicked 
a lot more than if you don't, if you just have a regular scanner. Well, and then some sort of a public image is formed. Um, and I also spoke with some journalists, but I don't see how we can address this because for them, yes, of course, clicks are important. I understand all whole advertising is also connected to the number of clicks and the views and uh, everything. So we are here in uh, some sort of a circle that could not, cannot be broken because this crypto something, if you write crypto crash happened, I don't know how many times I read that, but this is some, this is a normal cycle that occurs in every few years. And then the, of course the time gaps uh, are, are smaller, but this is something that is clicked and that is read. And the more um, bombastic is the title, the more uh, 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 reads it gets or views or whatever. So here is also a question of public image. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that could be only overcome with the, if we increase general knowledge about crypto, crypto assets and uh, everything else, so that people won't be so attracted to those uh, sensation uh, titles and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that actually leads me to another thing that I've been wondering about and also read it in your uh, like mission statement mm -hmm. is that uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, moving things towards mass adoption mm -hmm. and mass yeah. adoption is a word we hear a lot in the yeah. web3 space and for me it has it's kind of two-sided because mm -hmm. th there's also been some very good uh like uh, instructional videos about you know the dark side of the whole crypto space and mm -hmm. the blockchain and things like that uh, I don't think that's unusual at all because pretty much every technology can be used for good or bad. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that uh, has been pointed out is that the, the the grand like pyramid scheme of things, which seems to be you know one of the things that people are talking about, is that the the ones who come in late are the exit capital of the ones who came in early. You know, that seems to be yeah. the prejudice story. So so when I hear people like, hey, we have to push for mass adoption, I'm getting a little bit of friction mm -hmm. for like, nah, you know, why do you want to do that? But I also understand in the discussion we just had that, you know, we can use this technology for a lot of good and for people to understand and get new ideas and all that kind of stuff, we need a broader general understanding of what it is that we're dealing with so so those two things i think is a little bit interesting you know what, what's your take on that yeah um if we exclude now the financial part of let's exclude the crypto assets because we have so many more possibilities to use blockchain technology on different uh, levels of the technology and um, let's take self-sovereign identity that is on blockchain um, the thing is, when the mass adoption happens, the user won't know that a certain app, that is identity app or uh, 
uh, is run on the blockchain technology because we are using emails every day and I seldom people know what kind of protocols they use. So we're just using them, they're working, we're happy with that. We are trying to, to tweak those that are <laughs> secure and not hacked all the time and hoping that all of our data is not just uh, sold everywhere. So if we take the self-sovereign identity on blockchain, this is just an app. And uh, the idea is with blockchain, you are the one that is deciding what sort of data is shared with whom. And there is a possibility to be awarded when you are sharing that data. This is what the blockchain technology uh, enables. And uh, this is what we think with mass adoption. So the people could have wallets that will be in form of apps that will be very easy to use user friendly, that will be, there will be a possibility to be awarded some sort if you are, uh, I don't know, a diligent citizen. And if you do something for, for a certain service, um, that those are the things that, that are interesting. Of course, there is also that financial side. We can discuss this <laughs> till the dawn, I think. Uh, but if we take the, the case of Bitcoin, that those that are, late uh, that won't get the same share well maybe not in in the case of bitcoin because we know that there is a certain number of bitcoins and it is not and you cannot print them in infinitely so this is a sort of project that um, enable that that those that, that come late uh, won't be those uh, uh, that will uh, just get the short side of a stick so yeah um with mass adoption, we believe that technology is used where it's sensible and logical for the benefit of the society. This is the mass adoption that we had in mind. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, that is totally true with every technology, you can do good or bad. It doesn't matter if it's big data, if it's AI or it's blockchain technology. Yes, it can be used for not in the benefits of the society, but that's why we have the initiatives like ours. So we will hopefully notice that and say, okay, this is this, what you're doing with this technology is not okay and not beneficial. Let's do it some way around. You know, it is the same with social scoring um, that happened in China. That is a very nice tool but not when you have consequences on your life. This yeah. is the problem. But then we come from the technology to politics, to society, to, to other areas that, uh, that have to be also included in the conversation because technology is just one side, then we have all, all, all the other aspects of the society. Do you have kind of uh, like a manifesto or something that people have to live up to uh, to join the blockchain alliance? Uh, what we do, we do a due diligence on every uh, on every member because we want to know who is the team, of course, <laughs> what you're doing, uh, where are you based, uh, uh, what is your set of values, also um, somehow, um, and when we have some initial talks and uh, yeah then we decide if we are a good match also what are, are the expectations of the members because we don't believe that 
many members uh, and vast uh, um, membership can be because we are cooperative. We are the most democratic uh, form of the, um, let's say, initiative. We are cooperative where every node has its own, uh, is equal and uh, has a possi possibility to express their opinions and uh, um, do some initiatives, doesn't matter on which, uh, on which uh, level. So yeah, this is, this is all. <laughs> Yeah, as I also mentioned briefly when we met at tomorrow conference, I'm involved with a, a couple of startups in the tech area, and one of them is is kind of uh, you know, I think basically anything that we do uh, you know for foreseeable future is going to maybe touch on on some kind of blockchain, mm -hmm. as you just said. You know, we are moving into a place where we don't even know that there's blockchain. That, and, you know, behind it is just technology. Uh, but right now it is very much, you know, is it a blockchain project or is it not a blockchain project? And yeah. one of the uh, startups I'm working with is a blockchain project. So I'm wondering, okay, you know, is, is the Blockchain Alliance Europe something for us? I, I totally like the European uh, mm -hmm. perspective and and uh, you know the closer we are, the better the connections and the community and things like that. Uh, but what what would be the considerations for, you know, we talked about mm -hmm. business and usually the first thing you you uh, answer is the value proposition. You know, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. is one of the questions. So so so, what should people yeah. consider in that regard? Um, if you're interested in obtaining EU grants and tenders, if you want some, uh, let's say. Um, recognition uh, through our channels, uh, if you want to organize events, if you want to be a part of the events, if you want, if you see among our members or their partners, some sort of uh, possible collab, we are here to help. We are also helping with those that are looking for some partners outside of this uh, group that we have. If you're interested on um, joining the working group for regulation, we are uh, addressing regulation mostly on European level through, um, let's say, position papers and so on. So I think this is something for you. Otherwise, if you don't see yourself in this story, um, let's discuss. Maybe we find something. Something this this is also interesting interesting for us. But uh, yeah, this this would be this would be it. What what we focus on. And if you're interested in education and uh, building those that awareness, then then you're on the in the right place. Sounds great. Do do you have kind of uh, again talking business terms? Do you have some kind of like ideal customer in mind or ideal like member in mind? Ideal member. I think that every member that that shows. Uh, some um, initiative to, to, to do something, you know, to be active is an ideal member because what we see in society, we usually feel very entitled to things and we're not um, willing to make that additional step to, to, for, to put any effort in it. And then we are not very satisfied with what is happening. So every member that is, uh, eager to do something in this space is very welcome. We'll find a way for sure. That sounds good. Uh, it goes very with a term that I like to, to consider. Uh, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. 
So being around in a membership or in an alliance with people who take action and are ready to to mm. do the work and and commit to things uh, that that certainly sounds like a place that uh, you know where you can progress. Yeah, this is good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great yeah because i agree you know like numbers is not really that interesting it's more mm. like okay what can we actually achieve and usually yeah. you know smaller communities can achieve uh, more uh, at least together you know yeah. that's probably some exceptions but uh, i like the idea we would be some sort of uh uh, you know, we we work as a guild in the <laughs> some sort of a guild in in the Middle Ages. That was the mutual assistance trying to you know get to the market and uh, hold of that market share. So yeah, yeah, trying to control the prices and uh, eliminate competition. <laughs> Not exactly that. Not so much. <laughs> we believe in healthy competition for sure. That's how you progress. Otherwise, not not to, not the bad stuff. Just the yeah. Good yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Again, it's just like you know, everything can be used for bad if there's like yeah. ill intentions behind it. Sure. Even the guilds of the mid Middle Ages, but still, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions that I always like to ask people is like a personal one in regards mm-hmm. to the future and this whole space we're in. So what is one thing or maybe a few things that you are looking most forward to in your future in regards to you know, blockchain or, or wherever? Mm-hmm. Um, metaverse, <laughs> just, I just have one answer because um, I still remember the second life that was around, I don't know, 20 years ago. And uh, it was very interesting and it was very popular at the time. And there were some tech enthusiasts that were doing a lot in that space. And uh, But I don't believe it was the time, you know, you have to be at the right time. <laughs> and so I, I don't think that the time was really ripe, but now it is. And metaverse, I'm a, really a fan of the um, sci-fi uh, novelist, um, William Gibson, he wrote Burning Crow. Me too. And, yeah, uh, okay. Neuromancer and, then, and the whole thing. Neuromancer, and he's speaking about metaverses a little bit differently. And uh, we just spoke um, yesterday also. Uh, I had a very interesting discussion, you know, about regulation. Um, it is good to regulate something in USA and uh, I don't know Europe, but then you create your own metaverse, and now what? Because what is regulation? It is a set of rules that we agreed upon. And how will you regulate metaverse? And I see that there is a vast opportunity, <laughs> and that will go from this, through the same cycle. First, the tech enthusiasts, then we'll have a hype, then will be a lot of scams and a lot of everything, and then the bubble will burst, and then we'll see what will happen with metaverse. But I, I believe that this time around, it will, it is here to stay, and um, I'm looking forward what what will happen and how it it will evolve, and yeah. I see a huge opportunity here. Um, And maybe some skeptics will say, you know, but this is not the reality. This is not the real world. But on the other hand, what is the reality? Uh, We are destroying our planet uh, day by day. I don't think that this earth will be so nice to live in 20 years, 40 years from now, if we don't take some serious action. 
And metaverse <laughs> sounds like a very good uh, opportunity uh, and uh, somewhere that you can create your own reality while you, you will um, live. Reality is really rel relative. What reality is? What is real for you? You know, it is the same with the truth. Uh, there is no absolute truth because we always see the truth through our sets of values and from our perspective. So here you can create a whole world for you. And yeah, I'm excited. Ah, interesting. <laughs> I'm scared, but excited. Yeah, 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 I feel the same way. And obviously I'm a little bit curious in, in that direction. Mm -hmm. You know, the podcast is called Metaverse Cast. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in the right place. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's it's uh, and I, and I, I you know I remember Second Life. You know, mm. one of the things that I've uh, noticed, uh, recalled now. You know, you know I've been fiddling a little bit with Ready Player Me. You know that Avatar app. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I remember because that's one of the things that I think where NFTs and people are always move, already moving that space, you know, with like Adidas and Gucci and all these, you know, like moving into the, the metaverse the space and with the NFTs mm -hmm. because digital fashion and, uh, you know, whatever you can do with your avatar mm -hmm. in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. But I can remember Second Life was actually the first time where I spent like, you know, I can't remember how much time, but like really thought processing energy about designing my digital representation in Second Life. Uh, and that was what stood out to me. I also tried to build uh, some various stuff because it was very like you could build things in, mm -hmm. in Second Life with like basic uh, primitives, uh, tubes and squares and stuff like that. And I think, as you say, now it's here to stay. And I think that's very true, but we haven't really seen, you know, right now we have this like uh, Betamax uh, VHS wars. Mm. People are talking about interoperability, yeah. you know, whose metaverse is going to be the primary or are we talking metaverse or metaverses and all that kind of stuff, Yeah, which I think is, is awesome because that just makes, you know, if you're curious, then there's a lot of alleys you can dive down and, and, and learn uh, stuff. But I'm totally with you there and I'm looking forward to 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 follow it as well. And I, But I like the thing that this time it's here to stay. And I think it, it you know, as you see, we, we, there will be some kind of bubble probably, but it's not going to go away afterwards. No. You know, it's going to settle into, you know, a few things. But you know, the, the discussion is really the same as it was with the first crypto assets. You know, when there was Bitcoin, there was a lot of others then. What will happen? Will just the Bitcoin prevail? Will the others stay? Will there be always others? And it is very similar debate just on, on other levels. We'll see. And it, interoperability, it's always a, a topic when you come to blockchain. So, yeah. Yeah. And probably any technology, you know, I've been in technology most of my life. So probably I imagine, you know, if you are in manufacturing, you will see similar cycles or, or something like that. Mm. I can imagine, but I don't know anything about that. One of the, you know, I'm going to, you know, put something in your head that you can think about now that you are looking in this regard, you know, big, one of the big questions I think that we have right now mm -hmm. is everybody's talking about community. We've seen, 
you know, that that's you, you've been in marketing, you know, so every, like every possible brand is now talking about, okay, we don't need the like push marketing. We need community. Everybody wants mm -hmm. to build a community. When I was flying to Belgrade, you know, uh, the, uh, the, 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 said in the speaker on the plane, you know, Air Serbia, uh, please follow us on social media. Like, yeah, what, true, true. What the hell, you know, who follows an airline <laughs> on social media? Why would and I do why? That? <laughs> you, you know, know so, so, and it seems like, okay, community is like all the marketeers on the planet, they now know, okay, we need community. But I'm already filled up with discords that I can follow. You know, that's just like one type of community. Uh -huh. Facebook groups is kind of like, you know, Discord was the first like organic move away from Facebook groups that actually worked that we've seen. That's other people have tried and things like that. So I think the big question, and also we, we saw when we were all limited to our physical space in, during COVID, online communities worked a lot. But now that things are easing up or over or whatever we want to call it, we are seeking physical uh, presence again. You know, people, you know, I've seen people like no more Zoom meetings, hashtags and, and stuff like that. And we're working on, you know, how can we create a community where we can actually have a global connection, like a global community, but still feel, get this like proper feeling of getting to know each other like we can when we meet physically. Because I think, and, and, and I have an idea, you know, I have a, a hit, like a, the thought that metaverse plays a role in that. Yeah. But right now it's just like, okay, we're all represented by these weird cartoon characters. So it doesn't really feel like that, you mm. know, as well. But I think if you can crack that code, you know, the practicalities of you know, can meeting all around the planet and then creating the emotional connection mm. of uh, two humans uh, meeting. You know, I think that's one of the big questions that we are facing right now. Um, this is a very, very good point because uh, we humans are um, very social beings by design. That's why this COVID situation was very tough for us because we are not really made to live alone. And this Zoom is nice that we have the technology and possibility to talk to each other but it doesn't really feel like we are now in person and have that human relationship that and we don't have i don't see your body language entirely that's why i'm a little bit bothered and nervous and frustrated and this all happens on some um sub neural level that that we don't think about it but we just feel it so if metaverse will um go as far to to uh, resemble the that human connection and and won't be like very cartoonish and very very weird then it has a, a very good possibility to become that alternate reality that people will like to come and hang out there if it won't have that we will still seek for that human bond that we need from each other we need that feedback we need to really the, the body language is the biggest problem that we have on zooms that's why we don't want those meetings because we are uh, subconsciously scanning all the time that the persons that are in the room with us and here this is not possible 
And that's why we feel that frustration. And if the metaverse will crack that somehow, like in that movie that was really popular already, Player One, you know, that everything was very nice and clean and uh, lovely. (laughs) And uh, yeah, um, then then we have a possibility that, that it will be the reality that could also maybe prevail. I don't know. I'm eh, keeping my <laughs> mind open to everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree very much. It's going to be very, very, uh, very, very interesting. Uh, and I think those who crack it will mm-hmm. definitely, uh, you know, you know, they're going to survive. Yeah. The bubble sure. burst, I think. <laughs> yeah, they will, for sure. They're for sure. Yeah. Um, but we'll see if I'll have different metaverses, you know, remains to be seen. I'm probably yes. Yeah, um, so, you know, it, it doesn't work out when we just have a one big conglomerate that want to rules them all. <laughs> it's not, not a very good <laughs> option. Yeah. Um, that was actually the motivation for starting this podcast. When Zuckerberg, he changed his name to Meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was just like, okay, we need, I know I want to be help creating a source of information that comes from an independent uh, source and not this huge corporate uh, pressure that will uh, definitely uh, move into the space. And everything is fine. You know, it, it, everything kind of went up after he changed, you know, there's, there's room for everybody, but, uh, but I think definitely independent and creative uh, things uh, are super important as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Great, Tanya. Uh, awesome conversations. I can always continue talking to these like tech web three metaverse nerds <laughs> forever, <laughs> but it's been uh, super great. And um one last question I always leave people with is that, is it okay if people contact you on LinkedIn if they have questions and things like that? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I always answer, maybe it takes me a few days because it's very lively there. Uh, but yes, of course, uh, I see myself as the one that connects, uh, helps, you know, uh, uh, explains. So yes, please do that. Awesome. Uh, and then that. you have shared all your links uh, to things. And uh, so so uh, anybody who wants to get in touch with you, we can find your, your stuff in the show notes for, uh, for this episode. Sure. Thank you very much for inviting me. This was really a great talk. Thank you for all your awesome questions. And yeah, we should meet in person sometimes and have a really good conversation about yeah, this. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a chance uh, next year for the tomorrow conference. Sure, sure. Deal. Great. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Tanya. I think it was publish the whole whole thing at once but I, you know I, I i feel like this was just a, the kind of conversation where you know you're talking with a person that is really knowledgeable about what they're saying and able to reflect on different points of view and things like that and that just makes things in my mind so valuable you know it's super cool this is the kind of stuff you can learn from so if i can do more episodes like that i'm going to be very happy so 
I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I will see you in the next one. Thank you.